All right, good morning, everybody. Is everybody wearing their new Christmas clothes? I'm wearing my new Christmas shirt. I have I got a lot of good stuff this year. Um, today we're going to be in Proverbs 17, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, tonight is our uh, New Year's Eve uh, party that we have, mainly for kids, but for adults too. We kind of have fun for everybody. Um, and uh, so you're welcome to join us for that at 6 o'clock tonight. It'll be a potluck turned into wildness. So enjoy, come, and, come enjoy and bring in the new year with us if you'd like, um, if you have nothing better to do, and, and you don't go to bed at 9 p.m. like, like I'd like to. Uh, so uh, join us tonight at 6. Next week we have our prayer time. First Sunday of the month we have prayer. So keep that in mind. That'll be at 7 o'clock next Sunday evening. So, and I think that's all we have this week. This, this, uh, um, let's see, is there anything else that I'm thinking of? We need to back to normal, normal schedule Wednesdays. We're still here for Wednesdays now and, um, and all, and I think that's it. All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this morning and the time we get to have in your word. And, um, as JC prayed, as we get ready to ring in the new year, as we get ready to start, we don't know why we picked this date. We just do because it's the first, but uh, it's a good opportunity for us, Lord, to start something new or to can, to freshen up um, our walk with you. And so uh, this morning, as we get some wisdom from you and from, by your Holy Spirit, from your word, uh, we pray that you help us to hear and to heed for all of 2024. In Jesus' name, amen. It is kind of exciting. You got to pick a date sometime. It may as well be January 1st, right? To, to do something new with the Lord. Um, a lot of us have New Year's resolutions and things that we're going to, we're not going to keep our promises to ourselves, but we're going to, the first two months are going to look awesome anyway. Um, but there's some things in this proverb that I noticed um, are really important for us to understand. And I thought, well, thank you, God, for giving us some wisdom to step into this new year, maybe a better understanding of our walk with you. Um, let me get my notes up here. I'm sorry. I'm, um, I'm and I got to turn off my notifications. I wasn't prepared to step up here yet. I apologize. Yeah, it was Brad's fault. Talking to me. It was a good conversation. I'm very happy for that situation. That's wonderful news. I like those stories. All right. In this proverb, we begin with something we've heard earlier. It says, A better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. And the first scripture that came to mind when I thought of that was the dry morsel is the bread, you know, and we don't do this very often. Maybe you do it at some nicer restaurants, but um, back in their day, they would take their bread and dip it in a sop, you know. What a horrible term for the pool of stuff in the middle of the table, but it's a sop is the idea. And it's to just, you know, well, it's better to not have the sop and have some dry bed that's a, dry bread that's a little hard to choke down than to have a beautiful sop in the middle, you know, and, uh, and have that uh, anxiety and, that, and that, that, that. Have you ever gone to eat or been at a meal or been in a situation where it almost made you sick to your stomach you were there kind of thing? Maybe you haven't. I have. Um, I'd much rather, uh, I'll give you an example. This is, this will beat me up and, and other pastors of, of, of the same. Uh, I would rather go to lunch or be asked to lunch by a one year believer than another pastor that says, I'd like to meet you for lunch. And 
because they never want to just eat lunch. They've got something to say, you know, kind of thing. And so you just go there and you're just like, you're just waiting for the, for the shoe to drop, you know. But with the brand new believer, they're just asking questions. They don't even touch their food. They're just like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. That is a delightful meal, you know. Um, the scripture that came to mind was out of Mark chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him uh, one by one, is it I, is it I? And he answered and said to him, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. And so, uh, you know, although it was necessary for Judas to be at that meal and it was ordained by God for him to be chosen, um, not a fun meal, you know. I'd rather have the dry bread without that friend or that kind of friend dipping in the sop with me is the idea. Verse 2. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. It's an interesting proverb. It's a very simple one. Um, Not every son is worthy or is morally upright enough anyway to carry on the family name or to carry on the family business or whatever it may be. And sometimes a, a noble servant is far better than an, than a, than an unworthy son. Um, and I got to thinking how grateful I am for our kids and all. It's not nepotism that they serve here at Calvary Chapel. It's because they've, they've earned it and they work hard and they commit, you know. And, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't always the case, you know. It doesn't automatic. And so the, the king was letting his son know so you can get, you see where he's coming from. Hey, listen up, son. I'd rather have a wise servant than a foolish son. Get it? You know? And that wise servant will go farther than a foolish son. And just lets him know that right off the bat. Um, this, there's some more important than blood in these situations. Um, and he lets him know. So, verse 3. I'm going to spend some time on this one. This is a good one. This is one that I want for me and for all of us to understand in the 2024 um, this is an important one. The, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Now, I like the fact that he doesn't try the hearts. He's testing them, okay? Um, when we move into a new year, there is hope of the new year being better than the last year, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm, I'm going to break some news to you here. You're going to hear it here first. You're going to have bad days in 2024, there are going to be some things that come into your life that you didn't see coming, that you wish didn't come, and you're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with them. It could be a health issue. It could be a personal relationship issue. It could be all sorts of things. Financial, things are going to happen, okay? You're going to have great days, but there are going to be those moments and those trials and tribulations that are going to come into your life this next year. And I think it's far better to be honest about it and know that ahead of time to prepare for it. Because it's not necessarily what kind of day you're going to have, but how I went through that day is all that matters. For the most part, this world is not to be trusted at all. The Word of God tells us that. We sang a song like that. This world is not to be trusted. We put our trust in Jesus. We put our trust in His promises and in His Word. This world, I'm a little skeptical. You know, I'm not jaded. You know, you can get that way. You know, as you look around and you see things going the way they're going, you're kind of always got your fists, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be like that, but I do know that I can fully trust in God. I can fully trust in Jesus. And so since I know this world can't necessarily be trusted, I don't put my faith in it, then I know what to expect. It's going to do what it does. 
The world's going to do what it does, and it's not going to be any different than what it does. By nature, the world does what it does. And I, as a believer, a citizen of heaven, a child of God, am living in a world that doesn't agree with what he does, what God teaches me and what God shows me. And so I need to be prepared for that. In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, and here's the key, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a baptism of fire that isn't spoken of very much. We talk about baptism with water, which is John's baptism. We have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a separate baptism. You've got a baptism of fire also. And we just learned that in Hebrews. Remember that when we hit that section on Wednesday night, if you come and you've been listening or following along, I'd like to move past the elementary basic principles of the faith, one of which being baptisms, plural, he says. Well, we need to know about this fire baptism because it's one of the more difficult ones to go through. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, nice. Take that all day. Water baptism, fun. What a great memory. What a wonderful start, you know, to my walk with Jesus, my first act of obedience to God. Wonderful. Fire, what do you mean, you know? Well, that vessel he's talking about in this proverb, the refining pot, is something that God puts every believer into because we've got to, he's got to, and we agree to it when we become a believer we got to get rid of the impurities. We want to be refined so often, and, and we like the results. Here's the results, that then we can see our maker's face shining in us. You know, I want to remove all the impurities so that all the people see are my maker's face, because that's how they would prove that the gold was purified enough. They would heat it up. The dross would come to the top. They'd scrape off the dross, throw it away, do it again, and repeat that process until the maker could see his face. Oh, that's a plaque in my house, isn't it? You know, the fire's hot, and it isn't fun. The metal goes from a normal state of solid to liquid. It absolutely destroys it and breaks it down so that all the impurities can become detached, that they can float to the top, that they can separate from what God wants to keep. Our sin, has to, that, that's the only way sin gets exposed in our life. That's the only way the impurities come out of our lives. There's no other way to refine gold other than with applying heat. There is no other way for the Christian to discover, unfortunately, what's left in us that's of us that needs to get rid of, that God wants to get rid of and get out of us. It's only by heat. It's only by trials. So when I pray these prayers, oh God, make me more like you. One of the prayers I, I, I said earlier, I want, to be, I want to know you better than anybody else has ever known you. I know what I'm asking. I don't, I don't necessarily, and then I leave it with, but this is fine too, you know. I, I don't want too much heat, but I want all the heat you want to give me. I want all the trial. I want all the tribulation. I want everything that you want to do to me so that all that impurity that I hate like you do, God, can come out of me. And that it only comes through this baptism with fire. In Zechariah 13.9, God says to the nation of Israel through the prophet Zechariah, I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. They will say, this is my people. And each one will say, this Lord is my God. By the time we're done, he's saying, with everything I've got to take them through, that will be the end result. 
And just like Jesus said in the garden, it's spoken of about the garden, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Likewise, to be in this place to where I call him my God and he calls me his people, I'm willing to go through whatever that is that he has in my path. I'm willing to go through all of that. Part of my 2024 resolution needs to be, not only do I need to lose or shed some pounds, active, eat better, all the things we typically say about our flesh, I also need to be submissive to God's plan for my life in 2024, that he can bring about in me everything he wants to bring about. That's a hard thing. Luke 3.16 says, John answered, saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's the same thing he said in Matthew and other places. 1 Peter 1, 6-8. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Peter, understanding that when he had that conversation with Jesus, and God says, Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked for you. He wants to sift you like wheat. John, Peter's initial response to that was, what about John? <laughs> Does he get sifted too? You know, which is a fair, childish, but fair question. You know, am I the only one that's going to be sifted or is everybody going to goes, I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about you. Well, this is much later on in Peter's walk. And now he's teaching what he's accepted at that moment in that conversation with Jesus. Guys, don't Kind of strange when these fiery trials come. They're meant to show the genuineness of your faith. The things that I have to go through, and his wife, by the way, Peter and his wife both get crucified upside down as martyrs. The things we have to go through are to prove the genuineness of our faith. I want my faith to be genuine. We live in a world of, of well, it's not genuine for the most part. I was... Uh, as a father of many daughters, I have three daughters and a lot of granddaughters. Um, I noticed the gifts that the girls got versus what the boys got. And now I'm not going to get on a feminist thing here, okay? But I asked the girls, you know, I said, how does it feel to get gifts that are meant to change your appearance? You know, as a dad for the first time looking at these things, I mean, but I wanted a curling iron. I know. But you'd never give that to a guy. You know. And our, like, and our initial response is, that's right, we don't curl our hair, we're men. Well, no, it's not expected of us to change our appearance, to change our hair, to get lip gloss, to buy makeup, to do nails, to do... If you bought me a nail kit, I'd be a little offended. I might put them on just to see what it was like. I think taking those things off is horrible. I watched the poor girls try to take those things off. Now, they love it. But I got to thinking about it. I said, how does that feel? Because a guy gets tools. We get stuff to conquer with, to conquer tasks, to conquer people, war, you know, things like that. And you get stuff to make yourself, your appearance change. And it kind of bothered me a little bit. And it didn't bother them at all. And I didn't want to ruin everybody's Christmas, so I just shut up and said, until now. Uh, 
But I got to thinking there's probably some better things, you know. Okay, I say that. Um, why did I say that? There, there was a reason. Let me... Uh, genuine, I guess, is the point. Um, I'm very confident that my girls can get gifts like a curling iron and nails and left gloss, everything they've ever wanted in their whole lives. Brushes. They got a thousand brushes to put stuff on their face. They're all different. There's a blender of some kind. It looked like a torpedo of some kind, a spongy torpedo. What is that thing, you know? I'm just glad the genuineness of their heart is far more important than all that other stuff. That stuff's fun. That's just fun. And a lot of the guy's stuff that we get is just for fun. Uh, my son-in-law gave me a, a socket that has all the, the pins in it, you know, that's supposed to fit everything in the world. They strip. They don't work. Thank you, uh, Hunter, for that gift. If you're watching from Oklahoma, thanks, buddy. Well, I mean, it might come in handy for that catch-all thing, but you know, for the most part, it's just for fun. And hopefully, the nails and the other stuff is for fun and 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 a blessing and and beyond. But the genuineness of the heart is far more important in my daughters and in my sons and in us and. Uh, Anyway, I, I guess that's why I brought that up. Uh, let's see. Later on in that same book, 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 13, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, it should be expected. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. And when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Remember what the trial's for. Remember what our next year is for. It's to be conformed into Christ's image, more so than we ever have been before. And, and that's how it happens, is through fire. It's through difficulties. It's through trials. That's how we get closer to the Lord. That's how we become more like him. All right, verse 4. I told you I was going to spend some time on that one. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Those two go hand in hand. <laughs> he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. In Proverbs 24, we'll get to it in a few weeks. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. In other words, God may be exacting vengeance on somebody on your behalf, but don't rejoice too loudly or clap too, too hard at the fact that God has stepped in. I've been guilty of that in the past. Um, because it may cause him to stop and say, no, maybe you need a little spanking too, you know, is the idea. Don't rejoice in these things. Now, these two verses, four and five, go together because... Um, there is just a, there, there's a, there, I can get into an attitude or be that type of person that day anyway. I don't think I'm like this all the time, but I can be pulled into these kind of situations where, oh, I'd love to listen to a false, you know, tell me something, tell me something good. Ooh, tell me what's going on, what's going on. I don't care if it's true or not. I'll discern that later, but I just got to know, you know, kind of thing. Well, that's a horrible, horrible thing. And if there's no listener, there's no, there's no reason for the lips to be flapping. You know what I mean? So if you don't have an ear, the gossip doesn't take place. The only, the only reason gossip works is because people listen. You know? 
And so he's just saying these two go together like a lock and a key. Um, a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. A spiteful tongue has no one to talk to if there's nobody listening to him. So I have some responsibility in this. I may not be the gossip. They just told me. I didn't pass it on to anybody else. No, you gave them an ear. You're as guilty as the person who said it. You know, We, we stop those things. Stop them right away. Verse 6. Children's children are a, a crown of old men, and their glory of children is their father. Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. I think those go together pretty well. Um, I love grandchildren. I love my children, and um, and they are a glory to me. They're not. They're an honor and a glory, as provided they're walking with the Lord. Otherwise, they're a pain in the neck. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, you want them walking with God. And I only say that because it's fair, because they look at me the same way. They get from me what I get from them as well. Their walking with the Lord is an honor and a joy to watch and be a part of. Likewise, I want to be that person in their life. I want them to look back at me that I would be the glory of my children. You know, not to be a fool, but to be someone that, you know, look at grandpa or look at papa or whatever your nickname is as a as a. As a second generation away, look at them. You know, they're, they're a blessing. Both ways, both generations get from the other, you know. Um, and that's important. Age doesn't give me the right to be foolish. Um, this is some of the things that I'm working on, you know. As I get older, I find it, and I don't know if it's you or just me, or if you experience it too, but um, as I get older, I find myself giving myself permission to say whatever's on my mind, like I've earned it or something. That's not true. My age, as I wrote this down for myself, doesn't give me the right to be foolish or to be rude. I don't get to be that way. And I think sometimes we get that idea that I'm older and I deserve it. I can say whatever, no filter. I don't think that's, I don't think that's good at all. I don't think that helps at all. I think it, I, it, 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 it's, I'm learning that I need more restraint in my life as I get older, not less, more. When I get older, I want to have, and I wrote these four things down because they all had Ds. It, it helped me. I want to have more discretion in my life. I want to be more discreet about things. Um, I want to have more dignity. I want to carry myself better. You know, what I think goes with the fourth one, decorum. And the third one, discernment. I want to use discernment in my life. Not everything that comes into my head needs to be said, you know? Um, now, there's a plaque I should put up someplace. Not everything that comes into my head needs to be said. I want to have discretion, dignity, discernment, and I want to have decorum. Decorum. Um, I think about this, and I, and I wrote, uh, Saldanius, i got to use you here, sorry. Um, I was thinking about Todd and Amy. I'm thinking about my, 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 the folks I'm related to now through the marriage of my children, Okay. Um, I'm thinking about Todd and Amy, and I'm thinking about Carlos and Trelawney, and I think about David and Nicole, and myself and Jenny, um, and what a neat bond there is there through our children, you know, if, if, if only that. And it's not a competition, <laughs> but it, there's a lot of accountability, you know, for each other. As we're all believers, we all walk with the Lord. And it's important that although we're, we're, we're only joined through that marriage of our children, it's nice that my grandkids are watching Carlos and Trelawney, my grandkids, or eventually, I'm sorry, <laughs> Anna's not pregnant. 
But, you know, who knows? Someday, maybe. Um, but they'll be watching them, and, and, and then my other grandkids are watching the Warners and myself and Jenny, and the other grandkids are watching Todd and Amy and myself. Um, we all want to be that. We all want to have these things. I don't want to be, of the four so far, the foolish grandpa, you know? I don't want to be that. Um, there, there's just a lot, there's not, like I said, it's not competition, but there is a wonderful accountability there, you know, for all of us. Um, and so I love this proverb. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. You know, excellent speech is not becoming to a fool and much less lying lips to a prince. I want both and all of my children and their spouses to feel as comfortable coming to our house as they would be going to another grandpa's house. I never want anybody saying, oh, we got their Christmas this year, you know, kind of thing, ever, ever. So I take that to heart, be better, you know, to be better as as an older man, to be better. Verse 8, a a present is a precious stone in the eyes of his possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Um, We've discussed this earlier in Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Um, The way we, uh, we, we could out people for what they've done wrong, but we're not called to that. It's far better and more loving to conceal that matter, not hide it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying bury it, um, but we don't have to publicize it. You know, Um, you may need to have a conversation one-on-one, but have that conversation one-on-one and not in an open forum, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so we do want to cover these matters up. And, and, and a lot of it doesn't, doesn't even have to do with you and that person having a relationship issue. It has to do with you knowing about a sin in somebody else's life. Well, that's between them and God. You know, That's for them to work out. Now, I, I'm not going to let it affect my family or I'm not going to let it affect this church. We have to be careful about those things. But they don't need to broadcast it. You know, Every one of us in here is battling. Every one of us here is fighting our flesh on a, on a daily basis. We're all trying to walk as close to Christ as possible, and we're not always doing as well as we'd like. Okay, the last thing we need, and this is this is this is important, I think, for the church worldwide, for us to stop attacking each other all the time, you know, and and supporting and encouraging one another and, and lifting each other up, you know, especially in prayer, especially in prayer. That's the that's the best way to deal with you knowing about somebody else's situation just to pray for them quietly to the Lord. It's handled. It's handled then. You don't have to do anything else. You've prayed, you've brought it before the Lord, it's handled. You know, it's a wonderful, it's an outlet for you to share with someone. God is always, always keeps confidence. Um, it's never gossip with him. You can always, because he already knows, you know, um, you can always share with him. It's a wonderful way to deal with these situations, to pray um, with the Lord. Verse 10. Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. In other words, a fool's just not going to learn, but all it takes is a, 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 an encouraging word or a, an exhortive word um, to get a wise man to, to learn a little bit. You got to want to learn, is the idea. Um, verse 11, an evil man seeks only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger will be sent against him. 
um, for that one, I don't, I don't have wayward kids, you know, thank goodness. Um, they're not off the reservation. They're not away from, that's probably not, not politically correct to say anymore, but they're not, um, they're not walking away from the Lord. They're not backslidden, you know. So I don't necessarily have this situation, but I, I was that kid. You know, I grew up in the church. Um, and God had to send cruel messengers, not cruel, but worldly people that could care less about my well-being, uh, and I just reaped the consequences of my own decisions, you know. And um, that's an important part of being brought to the Lord, is that cruel messenger sometimes. Um, if you seek rebellion, you're going to reap the fruits of that rebellion. Verse 12, let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll just declare both, I think. I have, I've seen that uh, mama bear uh, go after some people. And that's a terrifying thing. In other words, being in the presence of a fool is far worse. Uh, and that's true. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. That's a good thing for 2024, isn't it? Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. I mean, it seems obvious if you reward evil work or evil deeds, they're only going to increase or at least they're going to continue at the same present pace. Um, in other words, we're supposed to deal with it. We're called to deal with that. Now, this is a father telling his son, I have to deal with the evil in your life. I have to deal, and you're going to have to deal with the evil in our kingdom. Otherwise, it's just going to keep going. And Boy, don't we see that today, you know? Seeing all the... Uh, the, the last one I saw was how the, 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 the L.A. cops had to swarm this mall to make sure that the flash mob wasn't going to rob and steal this mall. You know, this, they, they all went there. They got, they got wind of it. 800 to 900 people on this thread were all going to come and rob these, all the stores in the mall. So they had to send out, I mean, it looked like an army uh, to this mall to protect it from this attack that was going to take place. And, of course, everybody's, well, where are the parents and where probably working, you know. They probably left their kids home. They probably all have two or three jobs. They're all trying to make money so they can feed them. I mean, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you got to deal with it. And we as a society, if we don't deal with evil, it's not going to depart from our house. Um, and so personally speaking, we need to work on our own home, but also to, as a nation, we need to be careful that this proverb's true for all these aspects. Verse 14, the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Uh, most of us would understand what a levee break is, or we begin to see the river rise, and it's fine, but once it starts cresting, once it comes over the top of the levee, the erosion then, it's really hard to stop. That's why you try to get ahead of it, and you stack the sandbags higher. But once it comes over, it's such a rapid removal of soil of that levee that all of a sudden, oh, we just got to let it happen. We'll, to, we'll, we'll, we'll recover from this. We can't stop this from happening. So he's just saying here simply, stop the contention before the quarrel starts. And I prayed long and hard about this one, and I don't have a great answer for it, how that is to be done. I know there are some times, and I don't know if I should be proud of it or not. <laughs> Time will tell. But there are some relationships with some people that I just... I just stop having them. And I don't know that that's right or not because I want to be Christ to everybody. But it seemed like every time I was in their presence, there was contention and it made things worse and it wasn't getting any better. And I didn't know what 
else I could do other than try to be, first of all, I got to be myself, but I want to be like Christ by myself. And I just irritated him, you know, um, the way I carried myself. And, and maybe some of you experience that here too. It's like, I don't know if I can listen to another sermon from this guy. Mm, I get it. I used to edit my own radio messages, you know, to put on the radio. Hated the sound of my own voice. So I understand where you are. I totally get it. Oh, or the mannerisms or the way, the way is so important. You know, why does he do this all the time? Why is he moving his hand like that? You know, kind of thing. There are some relationships. It's like, I don't think we're going to beat this. You know, I don't think it's going to get any better. And so to stop it beforehand, to stop the contention or the quarrel, hey, let's just, let's just love each other and be friends. I'll see you in heaven. I'll see you in heaven. And everything's right, you know, kind of thing. I don't think that's always the answer. I think there are ways to make peace with people. We need to do everything possible. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. But you do your best to make peace. But if the other person isn't interested and the quarrel's going to happen, I don't know. You know. So, like I said, I prayed about that one, and no commentator had a, had a better solution than that or better answer than that. They used the typical, just what I said, blessed be the peacemakers. So... Make peace the best you can. Live, live peaceably with all men as much as you can, but there is a responsibility on their part also. But anyway, stop the quarrel before it starts. He who justifies the wicked, verse 15, and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Um, I think we see that more and more today. The affirmation of sin or the defamation of truth is what I wrote down. Um, when we affirm sin, when we justify the wicked, and that's what I mean, it's okay for them to sin against God. That's not a good thing, and that's not, that's not pleased. That's an abomination to the Lord. I'm as guilty as the wicked that are committing the wickedness when I begin to justify what they're doing. You know, I'm all right. <laughs> it's the boots is what it is. <laughs> Both of them are alike. <laughs> abomination to the Lord. My kids are going to, you they said, dad, last time I thought you were going to fall. And they just laughed. I thought that was the funniest thing. Verse 16. Why is there in the hand of a fool, the purchase price of wisdom, since he has no heart for it. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I don't know what verse 16 means. And neither did any commentator I looked up except that it just doesn't seem fair that they have the purchase price to get an education and then they don't get an education. You know, It's like they don't want to learn is what they kept coming up with. You, you could, but you choose not to. And I suppose you could jump off and go lots of different directions with that. It'd be like showing up at church and just not listening. What are you doing then? You know, why would you come to a Bible study if you're not going to study the Bible? You know, why do you have that available to you? You know? Uh, why would you waste such a great opportunity? Not necessarily here, but I mean, as much as we don't like phones or we don't like the internet and we rail, we rail on that a lot, you know, we need to get over that, by the way. Um, we have all the information you could ever want at any time, you know. If you don't know what a word means, it takes you two and a half seconds to figure out and get the full definition, you know, it'd be like complaining, you know, oh, those Encyclopedia Britannica salesmen coming to the door. We don't need that. We got a library, you know. Well, why wouldn't you buy a set of encyclopedias if you could afford it and put it in your house so you could have that? It's the same thing with these things. 
with these phones, you know. Um, I could use this for a lot of things, but it's probably not Candy Crush that God wanted me to use this for, you know. You have these phones, you know. You think about some of our friends that have come from Africa, you know, and visited here, and they're looking around, they're saying, you got all this, and this is what you're doing with it, you know. Yeah, okay, I probably should do better, you know. You got all this time, you know. Why do you look the way you look? Uh, shut up, you know. Go back to Africa. No, that's not the solution. <laughs> but you have this opportunity. Why are you the way you are? You could be so much. De- we have, most of us have, if not one, two to three or four Bibles at home, you know. We have the internet that has everybody's Bible teachings on it. We, have, we should be the most knowledgeable and the most with God, the most holy people on earth, given the information we have available to us. You, know, you think about the Chinese folks, the underground church over there, when they get a, a load of Bibles, they actually don't get the whole Bible. They tear it up into pieces so that each person gets a book because there aren't enough Bibles to go to everybody. So each one, and they hold those pieces of paper together. I've got Isaiah, I've got Isaiah, I've got Isaiah. They're so excited, they read it, and then they memorize it so they can pass it off. You know? Anyway, the second one here, that verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I used to make fun of that line. And, you know, uh, friends are for when you have problems and brothers, well, they just bring adversity into your life. Well, that's not what he means, obviously. A brother shows up. You know, or is supposed to anyway. A brother is supposed to show up. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is there for when you go through adversity, they're there for you, is the idea of, this, of the passage. And the, the, just one word, Jesus, is our perfect example. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And he also calls us brothers. You know, what a great example. That's what it looks like. That's what a friend looks like. That's what a brother looks like. Uh, when I'm going through tough times, that is the one person you can always pray and talk to is Jesus. He will always be there for you. Verse 18, a man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. He's saying, don't do that, son. Um, Your responsibilities and faithfully meeting those responsibilities is enough. That's what you're called to. And these things separate friends. I think that's a bigger issue, you know, it's not that I want to be there for a friend. Look, if I have the money for a friend who needs it, the last thing I want to do is make a deal out of it. If you love that friend that much, just give it to him. What's with the deal? What's with the interest? What's with the? Because now you've changed your friendship to a business relationship, and you've lost that friendship then. Because if they can't pay, all of a sudden there's this issue, you know, you're no, longer, you're no longer free to be who you were before this transaction took place. That's how I took it anyway. If I have the, I, I, I will, I, don't tell my kids this, but I will help my kids through anything. I'm the biggest safety net. They have no idea. Don't tell them. Because I don't want them to use the safety net. I want them to do whatever it takes and everything possible to meet their own obligations on their own with their own. I want that but they're never going to hit the ground. Never going to let them hit the ground, you know, kind of thing. Because I'm just, and I don't care. They don't have to pay me back. Just yeah, take it, you know, kind of thing. Now it's not good for them to know that. So uh, your responsibilities are enough. 
to faithfully meet those things. Verse 19. He who loves transgression loves strife. He who exalts his gate seeks destruction. He who has a deceitful heart finds no good. He who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. He who begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. Um, there's a much to add to those. I, didn't, I don't have any cross-references for them. Um, if you love transgression, if you love to watch people sin, then you love strife. That's all sin does. It's pleasurable for the moment. That's why it's tempting. But it only brings strife into a person's life. Exalting your gate seeks destruction. That could be, I don't know. Um, if, if you want to take it to, you know, back in the day, the guys would sit at the gate. Sit at the gates. I don't know that this is necessarily what it means. Um, but when you exalt yourself maybe and sit higher up on the steps than you really are, you know, maybe you're not a Supreme Court judge, maybe you're just a, a guy, you know, kind of thing. Um, you're seeking your own destruction. Don't, don't exalt yourself. Let God exalt you, I think, is key. When you begin to exalt yourself, um, you run into problems. A deceitful heart finds no good, and uh, he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. I think that's true in, in two different ways. Deceitful heart finds no good. I don't think it can. This doesn't see any good in the world. If you're full of deceit and you feel like you've got to be that way all the time, you know, constantly in that place of, of, of knowing more than the person across from you and keeping it a secret, that deceit, you know, um, it's hard for you to see good in anybody else, you know, or to experience it in this world. You're, you're just, you're alone. You're completely alone. And then finally, he who begets a scoffer does so to his, to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. And so he's telling his son that. I think it's important to know the audience here. I don't want to beget a scoffer, and I don't want a fool as a son. I think there's no joy in that for me. So if you think I'm too hard on you, or you think I'm too strict, there's a reason for it. You know, um, We taught our kids or tried to teach our kids first-time obedience. You know, We don't ask two or three times. We want to get it to the place, and it took some time to get there, but the first time we ask you to do something, that's when you do it. We don't have to ask you two or three times. Once you do that, once you get to that they, they learn to wait till the third time. And when they're little and you're telling them to not run in the street, that's not good to wait till the third time. They need to hear you the first time. That was our thought process. We're protecting them so that when they hear mom and dad's voice, they immediately straighten up and listen because there's a protection there. There's a, there's a need. We're not just being lords over them, but we're doing it on, for a reason. And so um, a scoffer, someone who grows up to scoff and someone who's a fool, there's just no joy in that. You're always worried. You're always anxious. You never know, you know, are they going to be okay? Because they're living this life on beyond the edge, you know. Verse 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Now, we have difficulties, but this proverb isn't talking about us overcoming those difficulties necessarily or talking about us not having difficulties. He's saying, no, just don't let them define you. Don't let your struggles be who you are. 2024 is a great year that's coming up, but we're going to have difficulties, but I'm not going to be known for them. I'm going to be known for how I went through them. You see, there's a difference. I don't want to be defined by my struggles. There's a phrase that we use, an idiom, misery loves company. It does. And I don't want to be that. 
I don't want to be the miserable person that wants everybody else around me miserable as well. It dries their bones. We are on the other side of things to be there for one another, to carry one another's burdens. We're called to do that. But that's on their side. That's, on my, that's my choice to decide to help somebody or to be there for them. As the victim or as the person who's going through it, I don't want to be the one that dries people's bones all the time. I can have a merry heart despite my struggles. I can have the joy of the Lord despite what I'm going through. I can bring and elevate other people and lift them up in their lives. I don't always have to be the one to bring everybody down to where I am. That's a terrible thing to do to other people. And that's what the Proverbs specifically speaking to. Now, we have other scriptures that tell us to step up and help other people when they're miserable, when they're feeling this way, of course. But as the person who's in misery, I need to let them make that choice and not resent them. If I'm a pain in the rear to be around all the time, I don't blame them. Everybody's got their own life. I would like them, and maybe I'm brought into their life as a Christian or as a miserable Christian to help them learn how to carry one another's burdens, but I don't want to be that. And the proverb here, he's telling his son, look, have a merry heart. You can change people's lives that way. You can encourage them. Don't always be the one to break the spirit, to, to bring dry bones into their life. It's a tough one. It's a, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's true. Verse 23. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. Nothing needs to be added to that. That's a fact. Wisdom in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. They're not looking at what's in front of them. They're looking to, you know, 2026 is going to be a great year. 2028, that's my year. No, today's the day. Today has enough troubles of its own. He says, today is the day we focus on. Today is the day we're going to have a merry heart. Today is the day we're going to build other people up. Today is the day. Not then, not future, not whatever. You know, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be. That's a fool's. A fool looks to the ends of the earth. And we finish up here. A foolish son is a grief to his father. Bo, are you listening? The bitterness and bitterness to her who bore him. He's a good boy. I'm just kidding. Also to punish the righteous is not good, nor to strike princes for their uprightness. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. I'm smiling because that is not me, but needs to be. You know, uh, that proverb is for me. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Just last night, I, I, I'll keep that to myself. I'm going to spare my words. Did you see that? I'm already doing it. Finally, verse 28. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we've had some fun this morning. We've hit some pretty hard proverbs also, though. I pray you'd help us in these areas, God. We, we want to be wise, older people. We're, all, we're older than somebody. So God, I pray everybody in this room is a little bit wiser and a little bit better from these Proverbs, God, that we would help this world and be uh, an aid, uh, 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 a place of hope for them. Our lives would be so stable, um, so um, set, immovable, that none of these things move us in this world or what this world has to offer. Lord, we place our trust 
and our faith in you and your word and your promises. And uh, because of that, Lord, we can weather any storm and we can go through any trial. And so we're ready for that. We look to 2024. We look to our next year here with you, walking with you, whether it's the valley of the shadow of death or whether it's a mountaintop experience or a blend, which is more than likely, Lord, we're walking with you. Help us to carry ourselves that way, no matter which situation we're in, whether we're being tried or whether we're celebrating God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.